Here, here, the humanitarian podcast, a podcast by Here Geneva, episode two, clusterfuck. Welcome, everyone. My name is uh, Ed Schenkenberg. Uh, with me today is Manisha Thomas. Um, the immediate reason um, we're actually talking today about the history of the clusters is that Manisha and I are working on an evaluation of UNICEF's cluster lead agency responsibilities. Um, and this is interesting because, in fact, 16 years ago, Manisha and I, when we were at the International Council of Voluntary Agencies, we, uh, in fact, were very much part and witness of the uh, moment when the cluster approach was actually conceived, uh, when it was put together. And we thought, actually, that uh, it would be interesting to highlight some of that history um, of the negotiations, particularly as they took place in the Interagency Standing Committee uh, when the cluster approach was uh, was being formulated. So welcome, Anisha. Thank you very much, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here. When was the first time you heard about the clusters? Well, when that question is a funny one because there is this uh, phrase that we use in North America. It's, uh, and pardon my language, but what a clusterfuck is probably the first time I heard that. But then in the context of the humanitarian system, it was in June, 2005, I think, when we started talking about sectoral responsibilities, but then it really came out in an ad hoc meeting of the Interagency Standing Committee Working Group where the Emergency Relief Coordinator at the time, Jan Egeland was there and started talking about clusters. And from there, the process came into place of having all these sectoral clusters and it's interesting that they were called sectoral clusters at the time and have since transformed into being just clusters. But really, it was a way to see how to make the system more predictable at the time. And I think, because I, I took very copious notes at that time. And part of the reason that he wanted those clusters was because he said, you know, we can be a very good system when we want to be, but the problem is that, quote, it's a very unpredictable tool. You push a button once, you get a Rolls Royce. Other times, you get a bicycle. Yeah, that, that is an interesting quote. It's also interesting, actually, where you say June 2005. I think I heard of the clusters a little before that time. Um, what I remember, the way it sits in my memory, and perhaps other people can contradict me on this, um, but um, I think it was April 2005. What happened at the time, uh, I think, and this happened in fact when Jan Egeland had come in as emergency relief coordinator, shortly thereafter, he commissioned this humanitarian response review. So you had these four people led by the former, the then former director of ECHO, Constanza Aldinolfi, um, going around the system basically, but particularly the international part of the system. I mean interesting to think about that, that actually at that time, uh, and that we have evidence of that, that we already said. So why is, you know, is this review only looking at the capacity of the international system and not of national um, actors and national NGOs? Uh, but that was precisely what they were doing. They were looking at the international system. And what they came across is in terms of, the, I mean, in terms of the gaps in capacity of the system was of course, particularly around IDPs. And um, because the responsibility, um, and maybe even today we can discuss that further, but the responsibility um, of uh, you know, which organization is mandated or has the responsibility to respond uh, to the needs of IDPs, that wasn't certainly clear uh, 
um, at, at the time. So, and exactly because of that, uh, that, that gap had been very visible in the Darfur uh, crisis in 2003. Um, and so, in fact, what we heard was that this, so this review team led by the former ECHO director had come to us uh, in Geneva, uh, to the ICFA office. And I think even that same day or later that day, again, this is back in April 2005, they had gone to, to OCHA, but not just to OCHA. In fact, in OCHA, there was a division for in, the internal displacement division um, led by Dennis McNamara. And um, I think there particularly, it was highlighted that you know the main gap that exists in terms of the system's capacity is with IDPs um, as such. And um, in order to resolve that gap or to address it, what we need is uh, is exactly as you said, Manisha, is, and in fact, that what came from Jan at the time is, is more predictability. So um, exactly this, um, they recommended that through creating more predictability and identifying more responsibility and accountability in the system for IDPs, this, this gap could be resolved. So actually, the idea was that there would be one cluster, particularly for IDPs, and then particularly even for shelter, although protection at the time also got uh, got mentioned. So it's interesting to recall that, you know, it was this one cluster for IDPs that was mentioned, because I think, Manish, that then the question we sort of looked at is, you know, what exactly is the, what's, what, what is exactly the objective of the clusters? You know, what is it that 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 actually they are trying to address, right? Yeah, because I think that, you know, originally it was like, oh, they're supposed to respond in major emergencies. But I think what was also interesting to look back at was just a, a year or two before and leading up to that, there had been in advance of the internal displacement unit, there had been the senior interagency network on internal displacement or on IDPs, I forget the exact term, but that had done a number of missions to different countries to see where the gaps were in internal displacement. And we like elaborated the collaborative approach and what steps needed to be taken in emergencies. And then because the humanitarian resp response review came out, it was like, oh, we're gonna pick up on this one issue of how the system is structured, even though there were other issues. So it pulled that out as the priority, even though at the time the response review hadn't been completed, it was just a draft. But there it was very much, we need to have, according to Jan, much more predictable capacity, funding and coordination at the global level and to become stronger coordinating bodies, but also at the country level where the HC or the humanitarian coordinator system has to function better. And it was seen that with the humanitarian response review coming out, it was the right time to change things and to make sure that we would have that predictability. But it wasn't clear really if it was only to fill gaps in emergencies or if it was gonna be about a whole new structure for coordination because we had the collaborative approach. And that's a question that was never answered around that time of when the clusters were being considered and being put into place. Right, because we asked Young, I think several times, um, you know, in this period, actually um, uh, spring 2005, um, 16 years ago, um, we asked him several times, and particularly, I think, also that summer, is this, you know, a system just to address the needs of IDPs, or is it a, is it a new coordination uh, model? And, it, well, obviously, looking back now, it became a full-blown coordination model, but at the time, that wasn't very, that wasn't, I don't think that question was ever um, answered as such. The other issue there, of course, was exactly that, 
between, let's say, the first moments, there was this talk of clusters, as, I, as we have said, spring 2005, and then actually what happened, I think, in the IEC, and perhaps you could say a little bit more on that, Manisha, because we had all these meetings, and it was a busy summer, 2005, strangely enough, enough because usually uh, Geneva headquarters in New York tend to be very quiet. That summer, I remember, was very busy. John came, and certainly with a model of nine clusters. So from, let's say, one or one and a half cluster on, on shelter and protection for IDPs, the whole thing had suddenly moved to nine clusters. What do you remember of that period? So I think I question whether it was really called clusters until the summer of this, whether it was spring or summer. So that's just one thing because the humanitarian response review draft talked about clusters, but before that, the internal displacement division was talking about sectoral responsibility. So the actual cluster language, I think, was a little more summer. But basically, at that July ad hoc meeting, Jan came up, and there had obviously been conversations before that ad hoc meeting in in July because at the June ISC working group, it's like, oh, we should be looking at sort of how to move ahead on these sectoral responsibilities. By July, there had already been identified agencies to lead groups looking at different sectors, um, emergency shelter, camp coordination, water and sanitation. Interestingly, it was nutrition, therapeutic and supplementary feeding, reintegration and recovery, logistics, emergency telecoms, health, and then protection was also a sector that needed a lead agency, but a meeting was only gonna be held later on in Geneva. And then you had these different sectors having leads and co-leads that were bringing together people over the summer to really identify what needed to be done at the global level. And they were supposed to prepare their presentations or their, their ideas of what needed to happen for a meeting of the ISC working group in September. And there was a retreat on Long Island somewhere where we had to go through and review all the outcomes of those sector conversations. But I think one of the biggest problems and that was very clearly identified, particularly by the NGO consortia, that was a lack of engagement of NGOs. You had some limited engagement of NGOs, but it was very limited and it was a very rushed process. And I think that was consistently one of the things that was identified by the NGO networks was that, well, this is a very UN-centric process. How are you bringing in NGOs, not only international NGOs, but also national and local NGOs, because they're the ones that are doing most of the response. And that was a question that did not get adequately answered as the clusters started to move ahead. And it was only because the NGOs kept pushing that we eventually had the global humanitarian platform, which came about the following year, which eventually led to the principles of partnership in 2007, but it did take a lot of pushing. So it's been interesting to see the evolution of more and more NGOs really engaging in clusters now. And we've seen that with the UNICEF evaluation, you've got lots of NGOs co-leading clusters at the country level now, which is a very definite shift and change from what, was, what it was originally. Right. But what was interesting, exactly as you said, was that we felt, I mean, sitting in ICRA, but I think I, you know, that related exactly for the other two NGO consortia that are part of the IAC as well, that, you know, our concerns, or at least even our questions, as we have mentioned, you know, they weren't very well answered or, or addressed. So while we continued asking or make, raising those issues, we thought actually then, you know, what we need to do is, is probably 
ask these questions a little louder. And so you and I worked on this uh, issue. Uh, ICFA at the time had a newsletter called Talkback. And um, in fact, you and I worked on that issue. And in fact, that um, uh, issue that came out in early October, if I remember well, didn't just talk about the clusters because there were other parts of the humanitarian reform process as well. Um, but clearly we, in that issue, raised a few questions around the clusters. Um, what do you remember? I remember that Talkback was fun <laughs> to write because it would always get quite a bit of reaction, which was exactly what we wanted, hence the title Talkback. And it really was identifying the fact that all these things are suddenly happening over the summer, happened over the summer to move ahead with clusters. And it was very much seen by the UN as being they saw it as a genuine way to improve the humanitarian system, ensure better accountability. But at the same time, that fundamental question we've been asking is like, is this just gap filling? Is it only for major new emergencies? What are you going to do in ongoing emergencies or protracted crises? All those questions were being sort of pushed aside and things were just having to move ahead because there was this pressure basically from Yacht at the time to really put these things into place. But I think one of the other things that we really kept pushing is there's all sorts of other things because you also had conversations around reforming and improving the humanitarian coordinator system and having more of a pool of humanitarian coordinators that had more humanitarian experience because at the time, a lot of humanitarian coordinators came from the resident coordinator system and had a lot of development backgrounds, but not necessarily humanitarian backgrounds. So we definitely pushed that there as well. Um, so I do feel there is lots of things focusing on the clusters, but without really looking at some of the bigger picture issues. And I think it was almost seen as a bit of a, a distraction and we were kind of looking at clusters and it took up a lot of space and time. And then at some point I remember, and it wasn't necessarily around October, but I think perhaps later on when NGOs were really pushing back, it's like, well, you better get on board because the train has left the station. And so the UN system was really kind of just moving ahead with it. Yes, exactly, Manish. That is also what I remember. Um, for those of you interested, we'll put in a reference to the issue of callback. It's fun actually looking back at that. Um, what is all this cluster talk is the opening article. There is an article in there on um, uh, Jan Egeland behind the control panel sending agency A to country, well, Y and other agencies to get another country and so on. Um, he was not particularly appreciative of it, but in fact, we also covered some of the other elements of the, uh, of the humanitarian reform process. Um, but exactly as you said, Anish, as the, um, the train had left the station, so in fact, the IESC went ahead in the sense of actually having um, the final meeting in 2005, um, which is of course the, at the, the principals level, so the heads of agency level. And the question that was put on the table there for the IAC is, um, are you ready to endorse um, uh, the cluster approach as uh, now the main uh, mechanism or the main process uh, for humanitarian coordination? Um, the wording, and again, I'm sure your notes, uh, Manisha, are more precise than that, but it was somewhere along those lines. But what I particularly want to get at 
is this um, uh, issue of uh, what happened at that principals meeting, because I was actually very interested in that the, uh, the summary record, which always comes out of the Interagency Standing Committee meetings, actually refers, uses the word generally endorses the cluster approach. Now that generally endorses actually stands for something. And that stands for a discussion in that meeting um, where I set in as the uh, the plus one, if you like, because then of course it's the principal, which in that case was the chair of ICFA, uh, president of the meeting, but also the chairs of the other networks. So, and in fact, what, had, what happened there was quite unusual um, as such that in fact, the three NGO networks, so ICFA, the Steering Committee for Human Channel Response, SCHR, and Interaction, uh, together with, in fact, the two Red Cross um, uh, organizations, the uh, Federation of the Red Cross and, uh, and the ICRC, of course. In fact, the five had agreed together that they would have one spokesperson uh, at that meeting, who was at that time, in fact, the principal um, for the Steering Committee for Human Channel Response, uh, Duncan McLaren, who was the Secretary General of the Caritas Network. And he spoke on behalf of the five at that, um, at that meeting. And in fact, as it was December, Christmas around the corner, um, when in fact Duncan was given the floor to say yay or nay to the cluster approach as the way forward. In fact, literally the words that I remember he used was, Jan, we cannot, I'm sorry, but we cannot give you a Christmas present. In other words, in fact, the NGOs together with the two Red Cross organizations did not agree to the clusters because basically the question or the point they put on the table was exactly what exactly is the problem that the cluster approach is you know trying to address or trying to solve what exactly have we we feel there is no clear problem analysis um here that has taken place this is too rushed a process um and it's not you know sufficiently clear even as you said actually also the humanitarian reform response review have come out already but in fact you know it was it hardly referred to the clusters at least initially because in fact that wasn't part so much of their their thinking of their analysis um, as such so it was interesting exactly going back to that image of the train has left the station so a solution was already proposed without a proper analysis um, of, of, of the problem so that's basically I think Manisha where you know the story ends in terms of the the um, the the work of the Interim Standing Committee on on putting the clusters together. Well, are there any other things you think that you know um, our listeners should know with regards to the clusters that happened at the time? Well, I think it's important to remember also that the clusters decided to be put into action basically during the Pakistan uh, earthquake, I believe it was at the yeah, time in two thousand five. And that was very ad hoc in a way. It was kind of rushed out and there was very little kind of lessons learned or learning from that experience when the decisions were taken at the December 2005 principals meeting. And it's interesting because I went back and looked at the final HRR and they did bring in sectoral clusters there much more than they had in their original draft. So I think some of the thinking that had gone on behind the scenes between Jan Egeland, the UN agencies, OCHA, the Internal Displacement Division in OCHA, really brought in the clusters um, much more into that final conversation or into the final version of the humanitarian response review. But there were also lots of other things in there and yet the focus was very much on clusters. Interestingly though, I think also at that December 2005 meeting, there were also conversations about improving the humanitarian coordinator system and 
having a pool of HCs and we as ICFA had put together a paper with issues for discussion around the humanitarian coordinator system and kind of bringing back a, a roster of HCs. So you also had, I think the SURF, the, at the time it was a central emergency revolving fund. It was turning into the response fund, I believe. But that was also starting to be looked at much more to contribute to that desire to have more predictable funding as well. So what you're saying there, I believe, is interesting that, you know, on some fronts, the NGO community or the non-UN IAC members had some influence. Um, the, the wording of generally endorsed or generally welcomed the clusters actually was indeed a compromise because initially the, the draft summary record said welcomed or endorsed the clusters. Um, so the generally got added because of the opposition from the non-UN, uh, so to speak, on the, on the Interim Standing Committee. Um, looking back now and perhaps also quickly sort of thinking uh, where we are now in terms of the clusters and, and perhaps, you know, also keeping in mind the, the work we're doing with UNICEF. What do you think? Could there, could there have been other ways for Jan to, as emergency relief coordinator, to strengthen, to improve predictability and to strengthen accountability in the system? I mean, I think on the predictability side, it was that issue that we were very much pushing for then, which was the engagement of NGOs and not only international NGOs. I mean, we were very clear that it needed to not just be the big NGO, big international NGOs that were responding, but also national and local NGOs. And that's, I guess, one of those quote unquote wins we had was because we did get that global humanitarian platform the following year where it brought together the heads of 40 UN Red Cross, Red Crescent and INGOs and national NGOs to really have a conversation around how NGOs could be brought much more into the process, how they could be more included, how partnership was so important, which led to the, the principles of partnership. So I think that in terms of predictability, had there been more time given to it, could have helped a lot more. I think you've seen much more engagement of NGOs through the clusters, but at the same time, I think the accountability piece is one that we're still really tackling and, and challenged by. I think just as a humanitarian coordinator has very little authority to hold agencies to account at the country level, the same is very similar at the global level. The emergency relief coordinator as the chair of the ISC, you know, doesn't really have power. He's got, he or she has a lot of soft power. Uh, it's that ability to convince people to get them to come along. But at the same time, agencies are more accountable to their boards than they are to the ISC. And I think that's something we've seen as a challenge with the cluster system throughout is that the accountability that's supposed to be there is largely on paper. I mean, oftentimes you'll see clusters not working as well as they should at the country level or global clusters not performing as well as they could, but you know, where's the accountability there? It's only through consistent pushing and questioning that things start to improve, but it's not consistent that cluster lead agencies are being held to account for the responsibilities that they signed up for all those years ago. Right. Now, and exactly as you say, um, accountability is a very significant theme that comes up in our evaluation. Um, I think on the positive side, it's uh, a very welcome thing that UNICEF has commissioned uh, this evaluation of um, how they are performing in terms of their cluster lead agency responsibility. So hopefully that brings uh, a certain degree of accountability. Uh, and then particularly, of course, 
in terms of the issues we raised in the report on, on the problems with accountability, but perhaps also some of the solutions or some of the possible ways in which accountability can be strengthened. That's exactly something we, um, we would like to see uh, further taken up. Thank you very much, Manisha, for this. Before that, before we end, can I just say, I do think it would be good to have a review or an evaluation of the cluster approach more generally, because the last one we had was about 10 years ago. And I know there had been a call for a review of the cluster approach uh, in the ISC three years ago or so, but that didn't get taken up by the Emergency Relief Coordinator or OCHA. So hopefully Martin Griffiths in his new role will take a look back at the clusters and see if they're meeting what they should or if they have become overly burdensome compared to what they should have been originally. Because what I think you've seen is a lot of the functions that OCHA has, particularly in terms of information management, for example, they've been passed the clusters. So clusters have become quite heavy in terms of what they're required to do, which is quite a shift from what they were originally intended. Absolutely, Manisha, glad you put that in. Um, I think it also points to the fact that this evaluation that we're doing for UNICEF on their responsibilities as a cluster lead agency, in fact, uh, may be very relevant for other UN agencies that have similar responsibilities for their clusters, and probably also particularly for OCHA and, and certainly also the donor community. So in that sense, to our listeners, please stay tuned. More is to come on the theme of coordination uh, and accountability. Again, thank you very much, uh, Manisha, for your contributions uh, today. And um, as I said, please stay tuned and um, wait for the next here, here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Here, Here, the Humanitarian Podcast. This podcast is available on Spotify or YouTube. To find out more about our work, please visit www.here-geneva.org Follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn at Here Geneva or subscribe to our YouTube channel.